Welcome to the Helping Children Thrive podcast, where we talk about ways to improve your child's health and recovery. I'm your host, Momina Sili, and I'm a certified pediatric functional medicine health coach. At Helping Children Thrive, it is our aim to educate and empower parents and practitioners with integrative approaches to children's health conditions. Along with this hope that our children can recover, I welcome you all. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk to Piper Gibson, who is the founder of Regenerating Health. Piper's story is one of hope. Um, She was a mama to a son who had tics, and she worked with her son to reverse his tic symptoms and a bunch of other diagnoses, such as SPD, which is sensory processing disorder. Um, Piper is a doctor of advanced holistic nutrition. She's a board-certified doctor of natural medicine and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Piper helps scared, frustrated, and overwhelmed parents get access to the tools and testing they need so that they can get to the bottom of their children's neurodevelopmental disorders, such as ADHD, tics, Tourette's, anxiety, SPD, and ASD. She's the founder of Regenerating Health and the creator of Foundations to Flourish. After going from stay-at-home to children's holistic health expert, Piper has been able to help many families like her gain control of their children's neurodevelopmental issues using food, functional lab testing, and natural approaches. So let's just listen in. Hi, Piper. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you. Yeah. Well, before I, I when I when we start, I like to talk about, um, you know, what got you started. I know with, from from just reading up about you that you were a stay-at-home mom, but now you're a child health expert and you've helped so many families. And there's just so much information that you've put out there for people to learn and, and to be able to work with you. So could you just, you know, tell us a little bit about that whole journey? Yeah. And it has been a journey. I would love to share that with you. Um, nine I guess it's nine years ago now. My oldest son, when he was six years old, was diagnosed with a transient neurological tick. I mean, one day he was fine, and the next day he was ticking and twitching and clapping his hands, and it was very uncontrollable. And as parents, we were honestly terrified. And we, of course, went to the pediatrician. He looked at him. And he goes, "It's just a tick, but I'll send you to the neurologist." So down the rabbit hole of doctors, we went. We went to the neurologist, and he basically looked at my son and just flat out told us your son just needs a good spanking. Um, yeah. And then I was like, yeah, we're not seeing this guy anymore. So after that, we saw, I would say in total, we saw eight doctors. We tried 10 different prescriptions. Nobody ever took the time or the effort to really look. That's not, I wouldn't, that's not necessarily true. There were a couple of people, but most people would not take the time or the effort to really look deeper. And so I really felt like the conventional approach had failed us. And I decided to go back to school. I relearned everything I thought I knew about health and wellness. I earned my doctorate in advanced holistic nutrition. I became a nutrigenomic specialist. So specializing in genes and nutrition. Um, I became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I took every single training I could because I needed to know more. How, how was I going to help my son? And so now I work with frustrated, overwhelmed, scared parents who are looking for answers for their child's tics and Tourette's. And we really look deeper by using functional lab testing, 
diet and nutrition to really help them to get their, their child back on track. Yeah. What's well, amazing. How old is your son now? He's 15. Oh, wow. So it's really been a journey, like you said, right. Of just, it has been a journey. Um, and the thing for us that's been really big is that he now knows how to listen to his body. He knows when he eats something or does something or doesn't get enough sleep, that is going to affect the way that he feels and the way that he functions. And so, you know, nine years ago, we were terrified and I would break down in rooms full of other moms and moms groups. Just I, what do I do? I I'm so lost. I looked at everything on the internet. We tried everything on the internet, nothing worked. We were overwhelmed. And so I want to give parents that kind of step-by-step process. And now that he's 15, he's, he's got his driver's license, he's driving, he's successful in school, all of these kind of things that I wondered, like, is he ever going to be able to do these things that other kids are doing? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things why I even started this podcast was really to be able to give parents hope, right? That there are others and just people like you who, who became mama warriors, right? They went, they said, you know, we're not getting the answers that we want in, in the conventional space. We have to kind of push through, move out, and then try to find it wherever that they can. Like you said, you did all the, the, the certifications that you could and just learn whatever you can. And I think that's where a lot of parents are kind of overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? What should I do? Who should I go to? Right. And, um, and so what would you tell parents, right? What would be a good place for them to start? Knowing what your, um, what your story has been and all the parents, all the parents that you've helped. I think that if you've been to doctor after doctor, if you feel lost, frustrated, overwhelmed, you feel like you have tried every remedy on the internet, look for an alternative practitioner who will support you in looking at your foundations. So using functional lab testing, looking at things like stool pathogens. I see so many kids who have issues with the gut. Looking at your genetics, you can't build a house without a blueprint. And when we look at your genetics, we can look at your blueprint. What do we need to remove and reinforce to support your genes? What kind of nutritional things do we need there? Um, looking at food sensitivities, that's another really huge factor. Sometimes we look at organic acids, so how well you're metabolizing you know, different nutrients in the body or even waste products of things like mold and, and candida. But using functional lab testing, using a step-by-step approach. And I think as a parent, that's where it's so overwhelming is that nobody has this. This is exactly what you need to do. And so I really have created this step-by-step plan. Here's the approach. And I will, there's a lot of Facebook groups that are frustrating and my clients will email me. Should I try this? Should I try this? No, this is what we know about your child. Get Get off the Facebook group. Stop looking at it because it just makes you more anxious. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much information out there. And then I, I love what you say. It's just really, we have to look at every child in their own individual way, right? They have their own genetic makeup. They have their own um, just environmental factors and the way that that influences their body. Uh, and I think that's where um, a lot of parents kind of, they want to try everything, but they just don't know what to start off with. And it kind of helps to have that, that step-by-step approach of where to start and then how to go with that. Um, you, you talk a little bit about, about genetics. And I think that's one of the things um, that I read. And when I first read up about you, that, you know, you do a lot of nutrigenomics, 
what is that for parents listening um, and how can that help them? It is the science or study of genes and nutrition. And when we can look at that, it's a really simple test. We take a swab of the inside of your cheek. We get some cells, we send it to the lab. But when we can look at that, we can really make it an individual process and look at this is really based on your child's genes, what they need and what we need to take out. And there's other environmental factors. So genes load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. But we know by looking at your basic blueprint, what we need to get rid of, what we need to reinforce. And it really, for us, was a missing piece of the puzzle. We had done tons of other things and we just were not seeing those super fantastic results. We had seen some, but not super fantastic. And once we did genes, we really saw huge changes in my son because we were able to super individualize that process. Yeah, you know, without going into too many details, but just for, for parents to kind of get a sense of what that looked like for your son, how did that work? So when you're looking at, you know, what kind of genes and, and the way that the nutrition affects that, how would that work for someone? For us, we really were able to look at, he was predisposed to chronic aggressive inflammation. So you on switches and off switches in your genes for inflammation. You can turn it on, you can... Some people have a hard time turning it off. We were able to really look at how to help him calm his, his immune system, which is a huge piece for ticks and Tourette's is a lot of these kids have these immune systems that are just going bonkers. And when we look at that, we also have to look at those environmental factors. What is contributing to this inflammation? Is it the diet? Is it the lifestyle? Is it the toxins? Is it all of the above? How do we refine that? And then, so we looked at that. We looked at, he had an increased need for certain nutrients like B12 and folate. Um, we knew based on his genes that he should avoid gluten um, and dairy. So there was a lot of factors for him that we were able to apply and make it individual. And it's really different for everybody. I tell my clients all the time that I don't ever make the same recommendations for everybody. It's not, I don't have a standard. Here you go. Here's what you should do. It's so individualized because everybody's different. Yeah. And what, what do these tests look like? So if parents are interested, what, what kind of tests should they be asking for? Most of these tests are what we call functional lab tests. Most of these things are not things that your typical pediatrician is, is going to offer. They don't have that training. They don't have that understanding. Um, I will tell you that I've talked to a lot of students going through medical school. We have a medical school here and they get one hour of nutrition training, one hour, not credit hour, like one sixty minute, like one hour. And they don't have that concept of nutrition and nutrition plays such a huge role in your body. I mean, it's going to be that basic foundation that you need because it's going to help with every cell, organ, tissue, and system in the body. So a lot of doctors will tell you diet doesn't matter. Taking out gluten or dairy or eggs or whatever isn't going to matter. But from a nutritionalist perspective and from a mom's perspective and from somebody who's been there, done that, it matters. Um, the, so I will tell you that if you go to your doctor and ask for these tests, most likely they will not understand them. You want to find somebody who is a functional practitioner, whether it's an alternative functional practitioner, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, someone like myself, but someone who can specialize in these really kind of functional lab tests, returning function to the body. So the food sensitivity test that I utilize uses a blood spot. So we prick the finger with the lancet, you bleed on a little card, we send it to the lab. The genes, like I said, were a swab of the inside of the mouth. Um, a stool pathogen test, well, you're going to poop into a, like a French fry container and take a sample. 
Um, and organic acids is urine. So everything I use is really pretty kid friendly. They don't love the finger prick test, but it's better than taking them to the lab and having a bunch of blood drawn. So yeah. they're definitely different than what you would get. Like your regular doctor might run blood work, but then again, their levels are going to be a much wider range than someone like myself who uses very functional optimal ranges. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally hear that because, you know, with a lot of families, when you work with them, um, these tests, firstly, are something they haven't even heard of before. So this is like a whole new area for them to kind of wrap their head around. Um, and then the kind of answers that you get once you kind of piece these results apart, like you said, they're extremely individual, but also the, 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 the level of detail that it tells you about what's going on with your child is just, you know, it kind of sometimes blows my mind. It can be mind blowing. And if you were to, and a lot of these tests, you know, you can get like, you'll see a lot of these tests on Facebook. Like, can I order this food sensitivity test or whatever? But you don't have that person that's helping you put it all together. And that for me is really important and really key. And that's where a lot of parents get frustrated is, well, I did this and I did this. Well, they don't understand how to put it all together to piece those puzzles together. Some kind of the puzzle master, let's put it all together for you and make that plan. Yeah, because all of them, you know, there they can be some things that, that overlap between um, between the tests, right? And in one test, it might show that, you know, your, your levels are okay. The other might show that, that you're either less or more deficient, something like that. And it just like throws the parents off and like just not really know what should I do which one should I believe like what is going on here and it, it varies by sample as well right whether it's a urine or a stool sample or a blood sample like it just varies completely from one to another it really really does it varies completely and you know parents I, I like I said been there done that but you see like the top two supplements for ticks and Tourette's are like B, B6 and magnesium and when we get on our call and we start working through the process, they're like, well, B6 and magnesium didn't work. And they're floored. And we start to talk about, well, there's all these other nutrients that you need and all of these other fat, what we call cofactors. Like you need certain nutrients that go together in order for them to really work optimally. So a lot of parents are really floored that, you know, they've tried all these things and then they get all this information. They're like, wow, I just, I didn't know all that. Yeah. Well, let's kind of get into that, right? If parents really need to know beyond just, um, actually not even that, what should they be looking at when it comes to ticks and Tourette's from, from a diet perspective, from, a, from like a supplementation perspective, what should they really be looking at? I'll tell you that there is no magic bullet. And I think we are all looking for that magic bullet conventional medicines kind of drilled it into our heads that there's some kind of magic pill potion or bean out there. There's not, there's no magic. There is no magic bullet. It is the combination of everything. So I look at diet. We look at food sensitivities. We look at genetic predisposition. We're really looking at that overall diet. How do we individualize that for your child? We look at rest. How well is your child sleeping? Rest when our body, you know, is going to really start to regenerate, heal, all of these things that are important. If you have a child that's not sleeping, that's really going to make a difference. I mean, we're going to look at, at your digestion. If you have a child who's not pooping or you have a child who is like has irritable bowel syndrome, we know that there's so many issues with the gut. So we're going to look at like poop matters. 
Um, mood, mood matters significantly. If you have a child that has mood swings, they have good days and they have bad days. It's really more of a sign of inflammation. It's not really looking at like a mood swing or serotonin or dopamine. It's really, if you have a good day and a bad day, there's probably a lot of inflammation going on. So we look at diet, we look at rest, we look at exercise. You have to move. It helps with our detoxification. We look at stress. I think, especially in the last year and a half, our kids have been so stressed out. How can we help our kids to mitigate stress? And we don't really talk about that and we don't approach it, but there's so many kids who need help with deep breathing or meditation, or when we're looking at stress, it's not just that kind of stress, but kind of stressors are in your house. Is your house full of Glade plugins? Are you cooking on nonstick cookware? Are you microwaving plastic? What kind of other stressors are in your environment? And then we do look at supplementation and I use a very individualized approach with supplementation because we can look at the genes and really base it on your genes. So it's going to be different for everybody. Um, and so when we're kind of shooting in the dark with magnesium and B6, well, nine times out of 10, it doesn't work great. And the reason why is because we're not using our individual approach to figure that out. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, right? That it just, you might be supplementing them with those two thinking that that is what's going to work, but those are most likely the two that, that your child is okay in anyways to start off with. And, and they're like other five others, or even just one or two others that you wouldn't have even thought of that might just show up in a test. And you're just like, Hmm, didn't think of that one or didn't see that one coming. And it just, it makes such a big difference to just the way that they function. Right. And then the, the way how they respond, how, so, you know, a lot of parents want, it's kind of tied in with that conventional approach that they want to see results quickly, right? Like, oh, I've been, I've been supplementing my kid. We've been doing a few of these things, but we're not really seeing change as fast as, as they would have wanted, right? And you kind of have that experience with your own son. Like how, what, how should parents be looking at this whole journey rather than like, it's not a sprint, right? Right. It is a marathon. It is a journey. It is not going to happen overnight. You know, so many parents are like, well, we try to gluten-free diet for two weeks. Two weeks is not going to cut it. If you have gluten issues, you have gluten sensitivities, it can take up to six months to two years to get those antibodies, that inflammation down from the gluten. So two weeks, you may not see a huge difference. And I tell parents like there's, when you look at the fact that there's no magic bullet and it's not going to happen overnight, you have to be dedicated to the long-term and in working through it and sticking to it. Because, you know, if you're like, well, we went to this birthday party and we ate pizza, well, that, you know, kind of sets you back. The gluten square one is that you, you've activated these antibodies again. So I really stress to parents, it is really a marathon. And if you really want to be successful, you have to make these long-term really kind of lifetime changes to, to really get them back on the healing path that just doing it for a week or two weeks or whatever the case may be, isn't going to cut it. So, you know, one of the things that kind of, from what you were talking about your son is, but really teaching our children about listening to their bodies, right? So it's not something that we're doing um, just for a month or two, but because their bodies are such that, you know, they're, they're, they can be overladen with a lot of like the load of life, like whether it's food, whether it's environment, and that's probably why, you know, they have a lot of the signs and symptoms that they have. We kind of need to teach them how to listen to themselves long-term, right? And so how does that work? 
It is definitely, it is, it is definitely a lifelong process. And I, I don't treat or diagnose anybody. It is really what I do is a re-education of, of families, of parents, of children to really understand how their bodies function and how they can stay healthy, not just for the short term, but for the long term, for the rest of their life. And it is such a huge piece to teach your child to listen to their body and to understand. Because I think so many of us get to be adults. Like for me, I have chronic aggressive anxiety, but to get to be an adult and have to figure it all out when my kids know how to listen to their bodies and they don't have to go through that. What is happening to me when I'm 35? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, right? It's, it's almost that whenever families are going through um, circumstances like this, if there's one child that's not well, or that they have signs and symptoms, when they're going through this whole process, the whole family, um, they, they, they benefit. There's so many different things everyone's learning. Like you said, it's not that they're just doing it for now. These are lifestyle changes that they're taking along with them, right? It's not done in isolation for a short period of time, but for a longer period of time. And that's, that's absolutely true. You know, usually what happens is I start working with one child. I work with the other child. I work with mom. I work with dad. I've worked with grandma and grandpa just because once the whole family starts to see changes, it is very, very impactful for everybody around them. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, with, with nutrigenomics, like you could, someone could argue that, you know, when the more, the more testing that we do, whether it's for kids that maybe might not have as many signs and symptoms, but that kind of opens this whole can of worms um, for lack of a better word of like, okay, this kid can't eat this, this kid can eat this and, and, and something like that without thinking about it from like a inflammation standpoint, where you're almost like correcting and, and auto correcting the inflammation in their body, but it can get overwhelming for families to have to cater to so many different needs. It, it can. And so I truly try to keep it basic. Like if you, if we're working with your child, we know like gluten, dairy, eggs are inflammatory for them. You, I can help you with meal plans to really kind of just eliminate that. How do you cook for the whole family? So I started out cooking 900 different meals and I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I figured out how to make it work for us. And I think that's the same thing as teaching parents how to make it work for you. I mean, sugar, one of the big, big, big things that I tell parents, the number one thing you should cut, especially with ticks and Tourette's is sugar. And they don't realize how much sugar their child is eating, how many hidden sources of sugar taking, taking sugar out is going to benefit every single person in your house. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I totally echo that as well. That's probably one of the first things that, you know, working with kids, because we've kind of been, we're in this society now where our food is just, is laden in sugar, even if we don't know it, like if we're not going for a candy bar, even in like the normal foods that we buy at the grocery store, they will more likely have some forms of hidden sugar in it, which once you start taking them out, you realize just how crazy that is. Pasta sauce, ketchup. I mean, just to name a few of where they hide sugar because it, you know, makes you want more and mm, it tastes good, but mm, it's not good for you. Yeah. 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 And, and how often, so, you know, you, you spoke about stool testing um, and organic acid testing, but how often does gut imbalances play a part in ticks and Tourette's? With all the clients I've worked with, I would say every single one of my clients has some sort of gut imbalance. It is different, different for each one. So Somebody has a protozoa, somebody has, you know, a pathogen that they're 
their microbiota balance is off. Somebody has H pylori, somebody has uh, low secretory IgA. So everybody is different, but I would say that every single person I work with, there is some form of gut work that needs to be done. Yeah. And so when, when they're doing all of this work, does it vary um, in signs and symptoms that the kids are expressing from what's going on in their gut? It definitely can. You know, some kids may have more anxiety, mood swings, um, more cravings, uh, being, being a picky eater. So there's definitely different signs and symptoms for it. And it really kind of varies. I mean, you may have an entire family that has H. pylori and the child may have tics and Tourette's and the other child may have, you know, severe anxiety. And then mom has autoimmune disease or whatever. So it expresses differently in everybody. But, you know, when you think about the first thing you do when your dog is sick, you take them to the vet, they test their poop. Well, we don't do that with humans. And I find so much imbalance going on in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times also for kids with tics and Tourette's, it can uh, manifest with a lot of other conditions that they might have. So they might have ADHD, they might have autism. And so it kind of gets um, lost, right? In, in, in the various diagnoses that a kid gets. Yeah. And I will say that so many of the people I work with and my own son included, we had comorbidity. So, so many more diagnoses like sensory processing disorder and cyclical vomiting and, you know, ADHD, all of these things that are also diagnosed, but they have so much more to do with gut and inflammation and what we're eating and what's going on in our environment and, and our nutritional status. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, with, with ticks and Tourette's, like you said, it kind of just one, like with your son as well. And so many other people that I've spoken with that, that it just started off one day. Right. And and a lot of parents kind of find that hard. Like they're just always thinking about what has happened around that time, what could be a trigger. Um, but like from, from what you're talking about, like, you know, with the gut and everything, it's almost sounds like it was slow to like, you know, all of these things were just building up. It's not that all of a sudden you woke up one day and it just started off, but it's just maybe something pushed it. I can, I can look back now and say that we had signs and symptoms starting from probably the day he was born. Um, you know, they gave him sugar because his low, his blood sugar was low. They gave him sugar the day he was born. He had chronic ear infections and we had ear tubes put in and he took an excessive amount of antibiotics. Um, he had horrible mood swings and he was eating, you know, dairy and gluten, chicken nuggets and things like that. We had eye blinking at the age of four. We went to the doctor and they're like, oh, just give him some Zyrtec, it's allergies. And it, I can look back now and pinpoint all of these kind of slow going things, all of these things that were happening for him. And I think it's the same with most parents. You know, they have a child with, well, they've been constipated since they were a baby. Well, you know, let's look at these other factors. I mean, my kid, I mean, day one, he was born, he was C-section. He used, lost a lot of that. Uh, probiotic, you know, that he needs from, from getting that healthy gut. So I do think it's very slow going. I think that most parents can probably look back and kind of think like, oh, all of these symptoms started years and years and years ago. And there are things like pants and pandas. So pandas is that pediatric uh, autoimmune it's caused by strep. And a lot of times that does happen suddenly. Pans is 
you're getting that neurological inflammation, but they're not sure what's causing it. It's not pinpointed. And so we probably, I'm mean, looking back, like we probably had pins, but there was all of these factors that were probably leading to that neurological inflammation. So for the most part, I think most parents can kind of look back and, and connect those dots and see all those things happening. But, you know, there are those instances of, of pandas where, you know, they get strep and it's, they get, end up with a tick. Yeah. But also like with, with pens and pandas, a lot of like the treatment, um, methodologies is very similar, right? You're, you're looking at everything. You're looking at the gut, you're looking at imbalances in the gut. You're looking at all of these different pieces and then plugging it together to find an answer. So it's really about a lot of these conditions that our children are having. Some might have autism, some might have ADHD, others might develop ticks and Tourette's, but at the end of it, like the, the baseline of all of that is just these imbalances that are happening in their body, whether it's, um, whether it's like bacterial imbalances or whether when you look at like their, their, their nutritional status, there's imbalances there. Um, and, and they can probably also gel together, right? Like if you have imbalances in your gut, you're going to not be able to absorb all of your food and all of your, of your, of your nutrition. And then you have imbalances there. Um, and so when you see that in, in families, like how, what kind of approach do parents, you know, I, I, I know I asked that, but like, just kind of like, how can they piece this together by starting off with some kind of like dietary changes and then moving on to, um, to that without, because I know that there are a lot of families, especially in, in the region that I am, might, they might not have access to a lot of these stool and oats testing as, as freely as we have in North America. And so for those kinds of families, where should they start? You can really follow a more anti-inflammatory diet. Like paleo diets are fantastic. It's more anti-inflammatory. Like work on getting that inflammation down. Um, you know, working on the sleep and working on the movement and working on how to mitigate that stress for them are all really good steps that you can take. For me, I do feel like getting access to those tests are really key to being able to dig deeper. But, you know, stick to, you're going to make diet changes. You're going to change to the paleo diet stick to it. It's not two weeks or three weeks. It's give yourself a good six months and then reevaluate where you're at. And just diet changes alone may not make the biggest difference, but really look for even the smallest changes in, in mood, in digestion, in, in, um, you know, just a reduction in symptoms overall can really make a difference. And I think that we are looking for big changes, but over time, those little changes make it really make that compound big change. Yeah, I, I think you make such a great point there, right? Where we're so hyper-focused on the big behaviors or the big things that we're trying to correct that we don't even focus on all the other things that might might improve. Like a lot of times you hear parents say, oh, but they're sleeping better. They might be pooping a little bit more regularly than before, you know? And those are big, right? Like it makes such a big difference on, on the child and, and then the way that their body is, recovering and, and almost auto-correcting a lot of the things that might be going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked a little bit about autism and, and ADHD and I kind of wanted to circle back to that and um, just how can, can nutrigenomics help with that? Like they're a little bit more complicated, but yet the answer also lies there. How can 
parents look to that? When I utilize nutrigenomics, I'm looking at usually seven key areas. I'm going to look at inflammation. I'm going to look at autophagy. It's your body's cell recycling system. How well do you get rid of that cellular waste within your cells? We look at detoxification. Uh, I look at ex external inflammation. Are there things that are causing inflammation from your environment, like uh, histamines, highestamine foods, or gluten? Um, or do you have an increased need of probiotics? Uh, I also look at mitochondrial function. I mean, you have a child who's like, so tired. I don't want to exercise. Do, do they have an increased need of certain nutrients to help fuel their mitochondria and their, their energy production? Um, what else do I look at? I mean, I look at several factors to really kind of put it all together. We look at a gene that tells us, Hey, is your child predisposed to having more hyperactivity when they're eating sugar? We can look at all of these different factors and really make it, make it personalized. Yeah. And you know, when you're talking about that, it just kind of strikes me how, um, it can just as well be used for even sensory processing disorder, right? Because it's um, a, a lot of that kind of stems from just knowing what's going on with their body. A lot of these kids, they're not able to have, like, they always struggle with energy metabolism. And that in itself just isn't what is, is, um, is wrong. Like, it's like, like I said, all of these are so complex, complex, multi-system, but they're so connected, right? Um, with all of them. We had, so the, the sensory processing, that was something that we were, he was diagnosed with. We were in occupational therapy. We had started making all these changes, but we did get the nutrigenomic testing. And when we got it done, we made some changes and he was six weeks into 12 weeks of occupational therapy. And at that six week appointment, they were like, what did you do? We don't know what you did, but he doesn't qualify anymore because we had eliminated so many of those sensory processing issues with getting him the right individual nutrition. Yeah. You know, it just, it blows my mind how much we can get. Like, I feel like every parent, if they can get their hands on getting these advanced testing, it just, it helps so much more. Right. Um, I, I was curious if you had any other examples of other clients so that parents kind of have hope, right. Um, that, that this is an area where they can look into to try to help their children. Yeah. So, um, I have, I have a lot of very successful clients. Um, I, you know, I have testimonials on my website that people can kind of look at and say, you know, one mom really wrote this great testimonial about how testing was necessary and it completely changed like their outlook and their perspective and how they use it as, as that guide to what they need to do. Um, I had a client who his mom called me and he was on his third stay at, in a mental hospital uh, he was having social anxiety delusions. It was really rough. And she felt like they had tried everything and they hadn't tried this approach. So she was willing, we tried it. And, you know, within six months, he was off all of his medications. He was able to graduate high school and get a job and get a driver's license and all of these things she thought never would happen. Um, I've got moms who, you know, will be working together two months and, you know, ticks have greatly decreased by like 90% because they've made these genetic changes, these diet changes, um, you know, and just so many different areas, factors. I've had a lot of kids with the sensory processing that once we get the nutrients balanced, they, they don't have these like, oh, loud noises bother me anymore and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, just coming back to um, the, the nutrients and just 
the genetic control almost on on the way how we metabolize metabolize a lot of these nutrients. What is it about the way that our genes are either turning them on and off or the way how they look at the food and the, and the nutrients that we're putting in our bodies? What is it that we're looking at? That's kind of a, a, a compound issue. So if you have a lot of inflammation, you know, you think about when you eat and eat and eat and you're so full, you just cannot take another bite. If you have a lot of inflammation, your cells are very similar. They're so full. They just can't take another bite. If you're putting in all these extra nutrients, but you have all this inflammation, those nutrients aren't getting in there. If you have poor digestion and you have leaky gut and you have gut issues, you may not be absorbing those nutrients. They may not be converted into that usable form so that your cells can utilize them. So it's really a compound issue of, you know, do you have genetic predisposition to not absorbing it? Do you have gut issues? And do you have inflammation? What is that compound factor? And I think that's where it gets tricky and complicated for parents is that they, they can't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it makes sense, right? Cause, and I, and I like how you explained that, that it's, it goes beyond just, um, uh, some kids might get their, their genetic tests back and it might look like they're metabolizing a lot of their nutrients well, but, but you'll also see that there's such increased heightened, um, inflammation in the body that that is probably the, at, at the core of them being unable to absorb a lot of those nutrients. So it's, it's such a chest plate, like you wouldn't even know which one it is just, um, basically if you get one test done and you're trying to figure out um if that is really the answer it that might not be enough yeah and i think that's where so many parents are frustrated and they're overwhelmed is that you get on the facebook group and all these parents say do this do this do that and they try 957 different things maybe they don't try it long enough maybe they're not trying the right combination and that that's where we t- as parents tend to get frustrated overwhelmed scared, anxious. And it, and when that happens as on the parents end, you, it affects the rest of your family. Like it's very hard to function. You stay up all night, looking at the internet, searching for things. A lot of times you become very hopeless. And I think that that is, it plays a huge part in it as well, because you have this extra added stress. Not only do you have a sick child, but as a parent, you have the extra added stress, which then kind of bleeds out into other areas of your life and your family. Yeah. Yeah. And also what's happening is like your child, if you're at that point, like they're either getting worse and, and then you have all of that stress of, of having to handle them and it's, and just not, and this like sinking feeling, of, is this how everything is going to be for forever? Like if they're not getting the answers and they're going to all the conventional doctors that they have tried out and they just don't get that, that balance and that, that answer that they're looking for. Um, before we go, like, how can families get in touch with you? Um, how can, if they want to work with you, how can they reach out for you? Yeah, my website is www.regenerating.health. I do offer what we would call a discovery call and we, it's free. And we get on the phone, we talk about 30 minutes to really kind of get a little bit of background and history. And, you know, for me, I really want to make sure that my clients are, are committed to making those changes. And there's some people that they just, 
they want help, but they're not committed to take, making those changes. Um, so, you know, I really want my clients to, I want to be sure my, that we're a good fit for each other. So you can find me at regenerating.health. Um, and then you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at regenerating health. And we can do, like I said, a free, a free discovery call. You can book those right on my website and we can connect. And for the most part, I can, I can, most functional practitioners can provide, give you access to that testing all over the world. Um, it's, it's self-testing. I drop ship it to you. You do it from home. Um, but I think that the functional lab test can be so life-changing. And so for a lot of times it may be a little more expensive in other countries. We can, we can work on making that happen. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a great, um, way to just, you know, finish this off today by giving parents hope that, you know, it's accessible to them if they're willing to put the work in and that, you know, it can really, really help their children. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, this has been so helpful and um, I hope that parents can learn from this and then try to use that in their own um, child's recovery journey. You're welcome anytime. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you for listening to this podcast and spending your precious time with us at Helping Children Thrive. If you find this podcast helpful, please share it with your family, friends, and others who may benefit. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast in the review section of Apple Podcasts. This will help other parents, caregivers, and professionals find the show more easily. Visit momentasaleemcoaching.com to post comments on today's show or ask any questions about upcoming episodes. And sign up to receive a weekly update. Helping Children Thrive is not a substitute for working with a qualified healthcare professional. The information shared here is not intended to diagnose and treat your child. Before implementing anything discussed here on the podcast, make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner. See you all next week.